I would just love to see how they would have reacted if uh, in the days of World War II, Devin, that, that in response to the Nazi attacks and for that matter, the Japanese attacks, that all we care about is, is how we're concerned about anti-Japanese sentiment or anti-German sentiment. That, you know, isn't that exactly the equivalent, right? I mean, it's exactly the same thing. But that's what's going on here. Look, when, I, when, when the horrible attacks of October 7 happened, I just thought, okay, now the world kind of gets it. We're, we're dealing with real monsters there. They, they saw the pictures. The videos were uploaded by Hamas themselves. Uh, the, the brutality of the attacks. Uh, everyone hears about it. We, I thought, okay, it, it could not be more stark, right? It, it, this w- was such a horrific attack that nobody was expecting. And look, I always say history is a series of surprises, but, that, but this was a really bad surprise. And... Um, it was so vicious that I thought clearly the world would, would turn toward having more sympathy to, to Israel. And instead, it's as if October 7 never happened. As if Israel's now, uh, you know, attempt to retaliate and, and get back against the Hamas monsters is somehow is coming out of thin air. It just out of the, out of the blue. That's, that's what's happening. And that, I find that fascinating. I also find fascinating, and I want to talk about Hezbollah in a moment, too, and the other terrorist groups. Um, I also find it fascinating how quickly the demonstrations against Israel have developed. We now know that uh, George Soros, um, ACLU, has actually helped fund a lot of these demonstrations. Um, A lot of other organizations that uh, are liberal, left-leaning organizations um, and, and it has to be. They can't be that organized that quickly. It, it's a very bizarre thing. On the other hand, you could say, no, Barack, they, they were, I mean, not that it really matters, right, at the end of the day. I mean, I, I think I'm almost more concerned if it was uh, organic. It came out of nowhere because that, like, wow, if it's that orga- organic, you know, God forbid what will happen if it were actually planned, Right. But if it's organic, I mean, again, it doesn't matter. The fact is there's hundreds of thousands of people marching in the streets against Israel uh, in, in London, in Australia, in New York, and so many other cities. So it's so uh, prevalent. It's so huge. So could it be, I mean, another way to look at it is that this just gave permission to a lot of people to, to vomit their anti-Israelism, to, to, to vomit their anti-Semitism. Uh, it, it gave them a pass because now they can claim, because someone's told them to claim it, that Israel is engaging in a genocide of the Gaza Strip. And therefore, you know, go, <laughs> you know, sick, uh, you know, as, as if to a German shepherd. And I think that's what's happening. I think that they really... They, they feel legitimate in their hatred of Jews and Israel. Now, look, they, they are very clear that this is, at this point, people are no longer saying that old, you know, canard that, oh, being anti-Israel doesn't mean you're anti-Semitic. I mean, that's, yeah, that's ridiculous. Now, now they're saying it. Now they're just saying it. You, you know, those effing Jews, the, the, you know, they, they, it's interchangeable, the Israelis and the Jews, just wildly interchangeable. Not among some, of course, not everyone. I, I, you know, I, I feel like I have to clarify that. But clearly, among the uh, Muslim uh, protesters out there, they, they say the Jews, the Jews, the Jews. Gas the Jews was the phrase that you heard in, in uh, Sydney. 
and many other bizarre statements throughout. Uh, yeah, you didn't know that, did you? Yeah, no. In Sydney, Australia, they said gas the Jews repeatedly over and over again. It's it's not like there was one sign of one schmuck saying that. No, no, they they all said said it in unison. Um, so anyway, we're finding out more and more details of the horrors of what happened on October seven. Uh, I'm going to detail a couple of them. So if you have kids nearby, you know, maybe pause it uh, for or skip over about a minute. Okay. So we're finding out that they were gouging eyes. Uh, they were castrating men. Um, this is a thing that they do, apparently. Um, they, uh, of course, raped and sodomized women and children and beheaded the children. In one case, they uh, actually put a kid in an oven and... Uh, turn it on and, and let the kid die in the oven. I guess they got their inspiration from Hitler. Um, it, it's, um, anyway, th- there's far more, of course, you've, you've heard about the beheading and the other tortures that were going on. It's, it's unbelievable the extent of the torture. They, what, unfortunately, whatever you think, whatever your wildest imagination can go to, it happened. This is what these monsters did. And, and there's one audio from a, a you, know, you may not know this, but they actually sent in kids on October 7 to do a lot of the slaughter. It wasn't just, you know, a 20-year-old, 25-year-old men. Oh, man. it, was, it was kids and some women. And they did some pretty vicious stuff. And one kid, uh, I'm, I'm guessing is about, just based upon his voice, I'm guessing he's about 13 or 14. And he's calling up his father. And we have the audio. It's not a video, but they have the audio saying, Dad, I, I killed 10 of them. I'm going to try to get that video or the audio and play that a little bit later. Um, but I, and he was so proud of himself. I killed 10, Dad. I killed. And, and the dad is saying, I'm so proud of you. Oh, I wish I was there. They're, they're talking like as if, as if he made a home run in, in a baseball game. And I wish I was there. I'm sorry. I had to work, you know, and, you know, this is this is how that is. I, I mean, it's unimaginable. The the child abuse you're inflicting upon that kid. Right. Now that that kid is gone. He's tormented. You know, one of the things that we now know about psychology, um, you know, about pedophiles that sadly, when somebody is victimized by a pedophile, that victim has a stronger possibility of being a pedophile himself in the future. And so this horrible, vicious cycle continues. That's one thing. And then, then likewise, the more mayhem a child engages in, the, 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 it is, there's a point beyond which there is no return. You will be a psychopath for the rest of your life. There's something in the human mind that when it sees certain horrific things, it, it forever changes you, not for the better. Okay, that, there's a reason why we so hold on to a child's innocence. I think there's a sense within us all, an understanding that if you rob a child of his innocence, that child will be scarred for life in a very bad way. And, it, and it's, in, it's, it's all instinctive within us. Even a gang member seeing a little child, I'm talking about a, an American gang member, will give a child a pass, you know, and just, just let, let him go. It, will, it won't torture the child just for the sake of it. 
yes, and maybe he'll do it if it's a, if it's a child of one of his gang rivals. I, I get that. I'm talking about just somebody on the street. And even they had that sense. You just don't do that to, to children. Uh, in the movie Scarface, there, there was that element, right? This brutal killer. I know it's a fiction movie, but nevertheless, I think it played onto something that was a natural uh, instinct. And the, the whatever, Tony Montana character, he played by Al Pacino, um, he sees that he's about to blow up this car and understands all of a sudden that there are kids in there and he refuses to blow up the car. Um, and that's, and then he gets in trouble for that. Anyway, it's fascinating. Uh, that, that is the, the robbing of a children's innocence, and this is what's happening here. And just to add to that, just to make show how basic it is and how fundamental it is, animals will do the same thing with animals. They'll mess with each other, the adults, but when they see a little child, like the offspring, they'll actually respect that and not get into that. It's in the animal mind as well. Right. But not only that, I, I, you know, having had, now I have young kids, and of course they were younger once upon a time, uh, I remember th- there's this kind of unwritten rule, you don't humiliate the father in front of his children. You don't do that. It, it, there's, there's something that, that, that's respectful. I remember I was at an amusement park and these two older guys who wanted to get in front of us and uh, they were swearing up a storm. And they were, they, they were like 35. They're not young kids. They were swearing. And I, and I said, you know, if you wouldn't mind, you know, please don't swear. And they were respectful. They said, oh, so sorry about that. You're absolutely right. And they, even though they were nasty with us, as a, as a, to me as an adult, they were very good with the kids. Anyway, I don't want to di- digress too much, but the point is that horrific stuff happened that is now coming out beyond the videos that you've seen. Just and God knows what's happening with the hostages. It's just beyond the pale. Um, look, I want to I kind of contemplate aloud with you, just kind of think about... Hezbollah, which is another terrorist organization in the north, it's run in Lebanon, it's, it's, a, it's an Iran proxy, it's a puppet of Iran. Uh, there are many other uh, terrorist groups that are throughout Iraq and Syria. Iran is definitely controlling the puppet strings. The question is this, I, I think, uh, I guess it's not really a question, it's, I'm going to make an observation. I think that this is the moment from the, from the perspective of a terrorist organization like Hezbollah, they're saying, this is our moment. Maybe we didn't plan on it. I mean, Hamas did. I'm talking about the other ones. This is our moment. We better get our act together. Um, we want to destroy Israel. Let's do it. Uh, and we've got to help our brothers down south, meaning Hamas. And we've got to make life as difficult as possible for the Americans and divide and conquer. Uh, they've got a feckless president named Biden. Um, not only that, but Israel it seems to be internally divided because of their judicial reform, um, and so on and so on. So they see this as their moment. And I know that Israel must be correctly seeing exactly that, because from their perspective, what other time is a, going to be a better time to destroy Israel than this right now? So Hezbollah is doing a lot of attacks, although surprisingly not as many as, as I would have thought. Maybe they don't have the, the organization that they claim to have had. Uh, but this is it. If, if not now, when? Right? From their point of view, I'm talking about just from a, I'm just turning the chessboard around, as it were. Um, and I, I think that they may have lost their moment. I, th- I think here's a, another way to look at it. If 
Hezbollah and the other terrorist groups had worked together and said, look, we're going to do this thing on October 7. We want you to join in the kill, right? Make it really difficult for the Israelis. They'll be so discombobulated. They'll be so attacked. We'll surprise them from both the north and the south and from the east. And what will Israel do? Nothing. Can't, can't do it. It'll, it'll be so weakened. But it didn't happen that way. It was Hamas. It was a, the Hamas-only show. Everything that we're seeing now from the terrorist attacks from the north and otherwise, it, it seems to be a, an afterthought. Okay, yeah, me too, yeah, <laughs> like that. But they're rallying around. They're trying to do the most that they can, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Now, um, anyway, that's, that's my thought on that. Uh, am, I, am I off base on this? No, I think you're totally right, and I think it just shows that it shows it really reveals a lot. Well, Israel has internal disputes that are political. That's not weakness. When it comes down to it, Israelis will stand up for Israel. Now you have Hamas. I don't think they can fully work with Hezbollah. I don't think because they're, it, it just shows that they're not the type of people who can get along with others, obviously, like, you know, or you'd get along with Israel. It shows who they are. Like, disagreements are not weakness. And, but there is a strength in what Israel has, and that's why they hate Israel so much. Well, the, 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 the reason why they hate Israel, uh, you know, that's, that's another story altogether. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, they hate Israel because it's not Muslim, for one thing. And secondly, they, they stand for goodness. They stand for morality. Uh, and re- so there's a reason. OK, two separate discussions. One is why does the Islamic world hate Israel, especially its neighbors and especially the uh, Palestinians on the one hand? And then why does the rest of the world join in the, in the hatred and the bile so viciously in the vitriol? Right. They, they, they don't have a dog in the in the fight, so to speak but they hate the Jews because that's what it is. And Israel is a Jew among nations. Remember that. It's a Jew among nations. And uh, it, it doesn't get the same respect as any other country would get. You, you, you don't get the pass. You say, oh, you've been invaded by a, you know, a foreign country? Yeah, you go, go to war with them. No, no, they don't tie their hands um, and, and say, well, you, know, you, you can only kill the people that were involved in this criminal action. Right, that's the way they look at it. So anyway, it, it's fascinating to me. Uh, we saw recently also this attack in, in Russia, in this province where uh, mostly Muslim people you know, rushed toward a plane, thinking that it was a plane arriving from Tel Aviv. I don't know if it was, in fact. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. Uh, nobody got pulled. But the, the, the idea of people chasing through uh, an airport looking for Jews... You know, I don't know if people understand what it's like to be a Jew. It, it, there is this institutional memory that we have of pogroms and vicious attacks. And, you know, and if it's not that, then it's mocking and being shoved. And uh, in more modern days, you know, I remember as a little boy, I, I, people would throw pennies at me to see if I would pick it up. Um, I got in fights as well. You know, Hitler didn't finish the job. I've, I've heard th- that stuff, right? So I got in fights. Um, and it's happening all over the world. I mean, in France, they're going through what I went through as a child. Fortunately, in America, it's much more enlightened. But I don't think people really understand what it's like to be a Jew. They, um, this, this sense of, you know, if I wear a kippah, you know, that, that, the skull cap that you see on, on a lot of 
uh, more observant Jews, uh, they don't know how we feel about that. You, you as a, uh, you know, not, not you, Devin, but you, dear listener, as a Christian, might say, cool, thumbs up to you, and, and that's, that's cool, you're, you're my brother. And, and we love that, we really do. But we don't know that you're, you're my brother. <laughs> we, we, we don't know that you're a Christian and that you, you bless the Jews and, and that you understand the importance of, of Judaism. Um, we, we just wonder. I mean, like a woman wonders every time a man walks behind her. Um, she wonders, is this guy going to touch me? This guy going to be, attack me? Is this guy going to rape me? She has to wonder that. Women live in a different world. Jews live in a, a world kind of like that. Um, and they, they just don't, I think a lot of people just don't understand the institutional memory. And when people say, oh, you know, I make fun of Jews the same way, you can make fun of me, I'm an Italian, you can make fun of Italians. I don't care, bro. Like, it's not the same thing. It's just not. So it's a very unique form of hatred anti-Semitism, and I think people just don't get it. Now, uh, among those people who don't get it is one Kareen, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jean-Pierre, yes, yes. Uh, let's, let's play what she said recently uh, in response to uh, uh, Peter Ducey. He's, he's very good in his uh, questions. Thank you, Kareen. Does President Biden think the anti-Israel protesters in this country are extremists? What I can say is what we've been very clear about this when it comes to anti-Semitism, there's... Okay, so, <laughs> well, you know, instead of saying yes or no, and as soon as they say, let me be very clear, like, no, okay, wait, if you really want it to be clear, you could say yes or no. That, that would be super clear. Okay, but instead, when, when she says at least, let me be very clear you know you're going to get a very muddled answer, right? It's, it's as simple as that. So let's play. There's no place. We have to make sure that we speak against it very loud uh, and, be, uh, and be very clear about that. Remember what the... She's talking about anti-Semitism. President decided to, when the president decided to run for president is what he saw in Charlottesville in 2017. Uh, again, Charlottesville. Just in case you forgot... You know, Trump said that the, the good people on both sides, things just, you know, remember that. Remember, <laughs> remember. No, good people on both sides here, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. one side that's bad. Yes. Well, we, he saw uh, neo-Nazis marching down the streets of Charlottesville uh, with vile, anti-Semitic, uh, just hatred. And he was very clear then, and he's very clear now. Uh, he's taken actions against this over the past two years, and he's continued to be clear. There is no place, no place for this type of vile and despite, despite this, this kind of rhetoric. Okay, so what's very, very cute about this is that just last week when we spoke, she talked about how there's no credible evidence of of anti-Semitism, right? But there's plenty of credible evidence that the greatest threat America faces is white supremacy. Yeah. Never mind that you don't see a single video of it or you know, anything of the, of the nature. You see a lot of anti-Semitism. Th those are phantoms in your head, Devin. All the swastikas and, and kill the Jews, those things that you saw actually written down, th those are phantoms. Right. What's really going on is white supremacy. Wink, wink. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. Okay? So th th that's her style. Now, then she, of course, does the moral equivalence between uh, anti-Semitism 
and uh, the um, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. And we've seen that. And what she does is she says there's, there's no place for anti In her discussion in the conference, she says, I, um, I want you to know that we're going against anti-Semitism and there's attack. You know, and, of course, no place for Islamophobia. <laughs> and then you think to yourself, did she really say that? Did she really say that? This is an attack upon Israel, these vicious beheadings and everything else we just discussed. And she's worried about Islamophobia, right? So you think to yourself, well, you know, there's so many Muslims in America, just like there are some Jews, so we need to placate to them. This is a question of being sensitive. Uh, no, 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 no. You know, you'll, you'll recall that during the Black Lives Matter movement, right, many people said, well, I think all lives matter, right? Not just black lives. And if you said that to somebody who was a, support, a supporter of Black Lives Matter, they say, no, 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 no. Don't take this away from me. Don't dilute the phrase. We're talking about Black Lives Matter because black lives don't get the attention that all the other lives. So putting us in with everyone else it won't, won't work for us. Thank you very much. Black lives matter. That's what we're talking about. We're not saying that no, no other lives matter, but right now we're talking about black lives. That's what they were saying. And I understand that. Yeah. I, I, never, I, I never quibbled with that. I understand that. I, I, I quibble with a lot of other things that Black Lives Matter did, such as embezzling all the money and <laughs> buying mansions and everything else and, and uh, supporting uh, terrorist groups and making no sense whatsoever when it came to the George Floyd matter and saying things were just outright lies. But other than that, they were awesome. <laughs> but, but I do understand the sentiment that black lives matter, right. Right? specifically on the word black. I get it. They were trying to draw attention to uh, the fact that the world didn't treat blacks favorably, that they, they were getting a raw deal compared to other groups. Right. I get it. I get it. But these same people now are happy to, you know, we're against hate of all kinds. All of a sudden, they're, they're the all, you know, all people matter uh, group, a crowd, right? All, all of a sudden, that you, you, can't, you can't denounce anti-Semitism without also denying, uh, denouncing um, Islamophobia. This is what they did with, uh, what's her name, Talib, I think yeah. when she, or was it Omar, what's her name? Yeah. Ilan Omar. Yeah. yeah, where she said something really bad about Jews. It was clearly anti-Semitic, talking about the Benjamins, and, you know, you can't trust these people, whatever that she said. I mean, it was really awful stuff. And so when they censored her in uh, Congress, they, they diluted it so much by saying, we condemn all, you know, expressions of hate. You know, it, it meant absolutely nothing at the end of the day. So, it, and it wasn't even directed to her. They didn't even name her anymore. So that's, they're, they're, they're experts in this. Now, in case you think that, in case you think that I was just saying, well, this is a, uh, kind of a slip-up on the part of uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. In, in case you thought that. This is just kind of a random off comment. And, and then she was made to say later on, you know, no, no I, I really meant, you know, anti-Semitism. No, 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 you'd be wrong. This just in from the White House. Today, President Biden and Vice President Harris are announcing that their administration will develop the first ever U.S. national strategy to counter Islamophobia in the United States. <laughs> That's not even anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Yeah. No, no, to counter Islamophobia. 
because that's what this war is all about. It's about Islamophobia. Mm -hmm. We look forward to continuing our work with community leaders. Ah, the community leaders. They're the best. Uh, Just the other other day, I met a community leader. Uh, (laughs) Advocates, members of Congress, and more to develop the strategy, which will be a joint effort led by the Domestic Policy Council. I, you know what? I was just wondering what the Domestic Policy Council was up to these days. And now I, now I know. Yeah, yeah. And the National Security Council. Okay. And God knows what they're doing. And counter the scourge of Islamophobia and hate in all its forms. You know, thank God. You know, that, that's what I was... You know, this is what the administration... I was hoping that October 7, when these horrific things would happen, I, I said... And I turned to you, Devin, right away. And I said, will, will the administration finally do something about Islamophobia? Finally? Yeah. You know what? They are putting actions to their words. Yeah. Today. It starts today, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. It's so despicable. That, that, that they think that, that we're so stupid not to see this. Yeah, and um, just to the Charlottesville thing, like he says, oh, they're they're Nazis. And, you know, that's why I wanted to become president, because Trump said there's, you know, Nazis, like there's good people on both sides, on the side of Nazis. Who were the Nazis? Did they have a particular ethnic group that they, you know, isolated and wanted to get back at? Did they commit violence and horrors against that ethnic group? Like... If he has that same standard as a Charlottesville, I don't think he can be protecting the Islamophobic, you know, the, the uh, victims of Islamophobia. It's, it is, I, I, I still can't believe that anti-Semitism is not something on the first priority of everybody's lips in the country. But, yeah. Well, look, I mean, they, they, it, it's going to be interesting because I think at some point this will play in um, in the 2024 election. It's, got, it's going to play in. And how he responds to this, uh, whether or not World War III is going to erupt from all this, I, I don't know. Look, obviously, that's the most extreme result that can happen. A World War III where China somehow gets involved, uh, God forbid, Russia as well. Uh, and, and God knows what other countries, right? Um, on the other hand, uh, an equally, well, maybe not equally bad result, but a very bad result would be to be a huge war in the Middle East among many different countries and all these terrorist groups coming in and people trying to hobble Israel one way or the other to prevent it from doing what it needs to do to protect itself. Um, Iran could get involved. Uh, a lot of things could happen. So unfortunately, we're in a position where, where we thought this, this tension was contained is now beginning to explode. There's a, there's a release coming, coming out of this very tense bubble. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think things will get worse before they get better. How about that? Uh, the tension and the momentum that is happening in a pro-Hamas way. Uh, you see these demonstrations, and I, I, I think that the Hamas bastards who did what they did on October 7 had, had no idea the the consequences from their point of view the positive consequences uh of their actions that, that this would lead to this massive demonstration in their favor throughout the world and calls for you know cl- claiming that uh, israel's in, 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 engaging in genocide and uh you know apartheid and all the all the madness so thankfully uh we we have america that is still very pro-israel i i 
I think even among the Democrats, they, I'm talking about the Democrats who are uh, the leaders, the congressmen and senators, the, the vast majority, in, very fair, in good fairness to them, um, are supporters of, of Israel. But <laughs> as soon as there was a account for, to, to condemn Hamas, uh, all of the, those who refused to sign it were Democrats. That's not a surprise. Uh, but again, the vast majority of Democrats did sign and say that we condemn what Hamas did. It should be a no-brainer, but there you go. Uh, but that doesn't speak to the vast majority of Democrats who are voters, just regular citizenry, and certainly not those who are on college campuses. They, uh, if you were to, I, I'm positive, if you were to ask the average Democrat, a student who identifies as a Democrat, in any college campus of any big size, uh, they would say, I, we're, we're pro-Hamas. I, I think Hamas did the right thing here. And what are they to do? They're, they're living in occupation. They, they, they spout off all the lies that they've been told. So let's, let's hear directly from Jean-Pierre again, uh, because, you know, geez, it's always so much fun to talk to her. Uh, here we go. Right now, about the potential rise of anti Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So, a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats. Uh, and so, I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look. Um, just want to make sure that's out there. There are no credible threats. It's all BS. There's no real anti-Semitism going on, right? I mean, look, it's bad enough that she's that she said, you know, she wants to dilute anti-Semitism by bringing in a fight against hate of all kinds, including Islamophobia. Um, but the very people who are attacking the Jews, right? Now she's saying, you know, that whole anti-Semitic thing that's in your head, yeah. right? That, that's a it's a big lie. Let's continue. Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. Yeah, the, the, the Muslims are, are attacked much more than the Jews. Uh, you know, th those numbers where, you know, only 2.4% of the population is Jewish, and yet they receive 60% of the, the hatred and, and the actual um, uh, ra racial hatred uh, in America, that, that, I, I, that doesn't mean anything, I, I suppose. And certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab, Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And yeah, they're really, really worried about it. Yes, you can see it all the time. I saw all these demonstrations where people are, are attacking Muslims everywhere. Yeah, that's what those, those demonstrations you saw. They appear to be attacking Jews and saying gas the Jews, gas the that, that in fact was... Um, an anti-Muslim demonstration. Yeah. You didn't know it. I mean, it was very well disguised. Right. But, in fact, they're really afraid. Said no Muslim in America. <laughs> yeah. All right? So here we go. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that the president has done is directed his team, uh, uh, Homeland Security team, to prioritize prevention uh, and disruption of any emerging threats that could harm the Jewish, the Muslim, uh, Arab Americans, or, or any other communities. Well, just anybody, I, I just whoever. But but she focused entirely on Islamophobia, except for that little lip service at the very end. First of all, there's no credible threat about anti-Semitism, but there is plenty of threats against, you know, reasonable fears that Muslims must feel. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. 
boy, it's it's really it's it's an amazing thing. Uh, I'm not I'm not equating. I'm, I'm talking about Hamas now. Hamas are the Nazis, yeah. and somehow we're we're supposed to worry about their feelings. I, it, that, that's what's going on here. Now, going to the um, the whole uh, issue about what's what's going to happen in Gaza and such like that. You have this attack on a. Um, uh, uh, what they call a refugee camp. Okay, first of all, it's not a refugee camp. Okay, they they call it that to el- elicit concern and sympathy. This is in Gaza. Okay, I mean it, it, it's been Gaza has been around since 1967. They they made it. First of all, it's been around forever. <laughs> what, what can I say? It, it used to belong to Egypt, then it belonged to to Israel because of the Six Day War. It's they didn't flee there. It's not a refugee camp. They're not refugees there. They live there. They have jobs there. At some point, you're no longer a refugee. This is your home, okay? But whatever. So, so they, they say a missile hit the refugee camp, and oh, my gosh, Israel. I, yeah, they're such a, it's such a terrible country. Look what they did. Um, and, of course, this is exactly what Hamas did, is that they specifically put all their fighters uh, in refugee camps with the hope that Israel would, in fact, uh, send a missile their way. And so they can say, look, look what happened, look what happened. Uh, look, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Hamas did this. Not only did Hamas uh, not allow their own people to leave so that they could remain as human shields, not only did they do that, but they refused to allow humanitarian aid to go to their own people. It goes to Hamas, and, and they're sitting pretty on, on a lot of money and a lot of food and a lot of medicine. Their own people, no, because that would you know, mean that they might be taken care of. So uh, Israel's certainly between a rock and a hard place. Uh, Israel cut off water supply and the Internet. And now America is saying, Israel, you must reinstate the Twitter and other accounts, social media for Hamas. Uh, like Israel saying, no, we're not doing that. So they can communicate with each other and, and elicit sympathy from the rest of the world? No. Now, look, here's the other thing. Um, I mean, they, they dare to say that you are withholding water and fuel and the Internet from us, holding it hostage against us, right? Like, wait, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, but I think that's far better than the actual hostages that you're holding, uh, right. you know, is, isn't that a fair trade? Like, you, you give us the hostages, and we'll turn the water back on. We'll turn the heat back on. We'll tur- turn it all on for you, okay? Maybe not the social media, because we plan to destroy you, your mother, you know what's. Um, we plan to destroy you. But they, they dare, I mean, the, the, the chutzpah, you know, chutzpah, you know, that's a Yiddish phrase saying that the nerve, the audacity, uh, of, of, of them complaining that the Israelis are holding the water and electricity hostage from, from, the, from Hamas after what they did. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, I, I don't know, it's like, uh, you know, a, a kid doing, I mean, I, there's no comparison. Obviously, there's no comparison. But a kid steals from his, his parents. He drinks himself silly um, at a party or whatever it is and gets drunk and he beats up his kid's sister or whatever and then he, he gets grounded and then the kid complains about that. Like, I, I mean, 
I, it's, the, the analogy is not perfect because it's treating Hamas like it's a kid. No, these are, these are adults that did horrific things. They're evil people. Anyway, I, I think that hostage thing is a good point. Somebody suggested this idea, uh, and I, I don't think it's a bad idea. Like, hey, why don't we offer this? Because, of course, Hamas will never take this offer. Um, you are complaining about the, the kids. Won't somebody think of the children, right? Uh, and they, they should somehow not suffer. Got it. Okay. Tell you what, Hamas, you release one of our hostages, and for every hostage that you release, you can also bring with them one child who is a boy and one child who is a girl, you know, dressed in a tank top and shorts so that's clear that they're not holding any bombs themselves, and let them walk out, all, all three together. Okay? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? That way, you can't complain. In fact, that's two for one right there. And we're good with that. And we'll bring them to safety. That would be a brilliant move. And by the way, that's not my idea. I, I heard it as an idea on a talk show radio. I thought it was fantastic. And I, I really wanted to share that. It would put, um, it would hold them to task, Hamas. And it, it would show what liars they are. But again, again, the world doesn't care. It just doesn't care. This is unique in the world of history. Look, do you ever see, do you ever read the book, uh, Lord of the Flies? Yeah. Right? Okay, so there's, there's Ralph, who, this is about the boys who get stranded on an island. They, they're English schoolboys, and they, uh, they have to survive. And, of course, one of their missions is to get rescued. So, uh, quickly, they, they give leadership to Ralph, who is very organized, and he wants to help out. He, he quickly assigns assi assignments for everyone. But another boy, Jack, decides... He doesn't like it. He, he likes kind of living on the island and just having fun. And a lot of the boys start joining Jack. And Jack represents primitivism, right? And Ralph represents civilization. That's ultimately what it is. And soon enough, Ralph finds himself alone. And not only that, but the rest of the boys are now are trying to kill Ralph at the end. Thankfully, the you know, somebody, uh, uh, an English admiral, whatever, finds them just at the last second. Everything's okay. They get rescued. But this is after two of the boys die, and uh, terrible things happen. Anyway, why do I bring this up? Because Israel, and the Jews for that matter, are Ralph, right? That's what's happening. And... And I have to say, and I've said this on Facebook and otherwise, that I'm so grateful to the Christian community. Look, the, the rubber has met the road. <laughs> uh, this is the moment of clarity. Uh, th this is the, the moment of, of where everything counts. And the Christians have been behind us 100%. Thank God. Thank you, Christians. I know we have many Christian listeners. But they, uh, they've really stepped up to the plate, and I'm, I'm so delighted. They've, they've given money. They're given uh, support. They're doing everything they can. Their, their churches are, are giving a lot of money to Israel to help the support. God bless them. Yeah, yeah and um, it's one of those crazy things where they are so, like, we always knew or we were always told, oh, it's for the victim, the one who is weaker, who has less, that that's the foundation of who that we're going to care for. And we're going to take the side because we want everyone. But this teaches us, no, we've been lied to. Yeah. 
that no one cared about the victims on 10-7. No one really talked about that. It was immediately, like, if not pro-Hamas, definitely anti-Israel, that so many protesters are coming. They don't care about the victims. They don't care about the lesser of the weak. I think there's something else going down, but it's all of the stuff that they pretended and made us feel, oh, we got to care about. Nope, that's a lie. They don't care. Um, it's, it's pretty vicious stuff that's going on. Uh, they, they, what better way to put it than this, uh, Devin? The, the hatred, their, their need to not be accountable in their lives, their hatred of the Ten Commandments is so strong that they are willing to believe these impossible lies about Israel to forego the, the utter inhumanity that they saw themselves, to, to ignore it uh, of what happened on October 7th. That's how far they're willing to go. They, the, the hatred. They're willing to, to tear down posters uh, reflecting the kidnapped children. Um, and these, again, like I said, these are, there's just like white students that have nothing to do with Israel or the, the, the Palestinian territories. They have no, no dog in the, in the fight. And they're, they're taking these actions like really vehemently. They, they, they don't know jack about what they're talking about. They just buy the, the historical lie that, that, that's been told to them. They don't even bother Googling it. They just, you would think, right? If I'm going to take a, a, such a strident position about Israel and, and accuse them of genocide, for example... I better know my facts so I can back it up. They don't do that. I mean, it's really, we call it the information age. It's really the age of ignorance. I mean, that's what's happening. But when it comes to Israel, they, they so badly want to hate Israel. They so badly want to portray Israel and the Jews as, uh, as evil because that way they get to disregard and dismiss the Ten Commandments. Okay? Um, and notice, by the way, that nobody in these demonstrations is saying, and maybe you brought this up, Devin. I, I, it wasn't me. I, I, I really appreciate whoever told this to me. But nobody in these demonstrations is saying, Tuesday solution, Tuesday solution, right? Right. No, they're all saying from the river to the sea. Yep. Yep. And, and that is a phrase that, that the terrorists use. It, it used to be a contemptible expression, but now everyone's saying it. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. It rhymes. I mean, I'll give them that. But it's, it's evil. It, it means only one thing. You get rid of Israel. And, and I think, and these people know it now. They, it's not as if you can confront them and say, you know, do you, do you understand that from the river to the sea means that they want to get rid of all of Israel? Oh, I didn't know that. I, I thought it was just something else. I didn't know which river they were talking about. I didn't know what sea they were talking about. But now I get it. Thank you for it. No, now they know. Yeah. Now they know exactly because so many people are saying they're occupiers. They're engaging in genocide. We must get rid of this evil country called Israel. Never mind it's the only democracy in Israel. Never mind it's the only country that uh, allows for, Jew, for, for, uh, for gays and transgenders and for different walks of life and different nationalities and different religions. The only country in the entire Middle East like that. No, no, no. They must be destroyed. Yeah. Okay. It's a, now, I think I want to conclude with, you know, with listening to what the Hamas head, and I want to give him his, the name, what he actually says. This is on uh, BBC. 
uh, actually memory, uh, which is a pro-Arab uh, television, they, they translate it, so you're going to hear a, a translator's words. Israel is a country that has no place on our land. We must remove that country because it constitutes a security, military, and political catastrophe to the Arab and Islamic nation and must be finished. We are not ashamed to say this with full force. We must teach Israel a lesson, and we will do this again and again. The Alaska flood is just the first time, and there will be a second, a third, a fourth because we have the determination, the resolve, and the capabilities to fight. The occupation must come to an end. Occupation where? In the Gaza Strip? No, I am talking about all the Palestinian lands. Does that mean the annihilation of Israel? Yes, of course. The existence of Israel is what causes all that pain, blood, and tears. It is Israel, not us. We are the victims of the occupation, period. Therefore, nobody should blame us for the things we do. On October 7th, October 10th, October 1 million, everything we do is justified. Okay, uh, so you, you heard it from the source. Now, I will say when he says, we'll do it again and again and again, I, I don't take it seriously. You'll never do it again because it's, you're going to be gone. Uh, I'm, I'm very comfortable with that. And not only that, but Israel will beef up its security in all other respects as well. This will never happen again, nothing like it. Israel will be, become a fortress um, beyond belief, electronically and physically. Uh, so uh, anyway, he's like an AIDS virus, this guy. Okay, he, he's deadly, but weak, yeah. right? If he gets into your body, you're a dead man, yeah. right? But in fact, it's the virus, like we said, we made the analogy before, the, the, the virus cannot survive with light, with oxygen, with heat. That's what it is. He's, he's a deadly virus, but a weak one at the same time, okay? I think that's fairly straightforward. Now, here, and, and look how weak he is when he actually has a, an interview in English. Apparently, he understands English. I'll give him that. Uh, and he's, this is with the BBC, and he's challenged about whether or not he was cool with what happened on October 7 and the, the raping and all that stuff. So here you go. You say this was a military operation, but the result of it was that hundreds yeah, of civilians were killed. Because the area is very wide, and there are many people there, and there was clashes and confrontation. It's no, not confrontation. No, you invaded I, I houses. Have details what happened inside. But I, I can tell you that we didn't have any intention or decision to kill the civilians. How do you justify killing people as they sleep, you know, families? How do you justify killing I, I want to stop this interview. Uh, in... I want to stop this interview. <laughs> okay, so you see him taking off the microphone and like, I'm, I'm done, this is getting too hot. So, you know, nobody ever confronted him. How do you justify killing these people? It's a very fair question. And, and he says something about it. We had no intention. And no intention of what? You expected, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have the intention of raping these people. Oops, we did this by mistake. We, did, we, we beheaded this little baby. Oh, that, that was no intention. That was just collateral. We, how did we know that it was a baby that we were beheading? Yeah. You know, that we thought it was a soldier. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I, okay. That lady, yeah, it looked like a cat. I mean, it's, ins it's insane. And, and this is just sheer evil speaking. He, he's just sheer evil. When people don't recognize that there is such a thing as evil, they, they do evil things. They, they, they give life to evil. So these demonstrations that we saw, I think part of the reason... You know, it's, it's just so interesting to understand it psychologically. Part of the reason why they're so 
there's so much vehemence, so much passion, and so much hatred of Israel is because if they actually saw the evil, they, they would melt. They, they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. By demonstrating against Israel, they get to ignore the evil and sidestep it of what Hamas had done. It, that's how savage it is. It, it's so blinding to them that they, they, they're better off looking in another direction, even if that other direction is that, is that the good guy, meaning Israel. And just to make that point very clear, <clears throat> and Devin, I think you brought this up, um, we know that there are so many gays and trans people, uh, uh, liberal side of the, the equation, uh, you know, that, that say, you know, trans for Hamas yeah. or the Palestinians or whatever, lesbians for Hamas, right? And, and they should know if they just did a simple Google search that if they were to step foot into Gaza just for one moment, they would be killed. I mean, if, if you want to, if, if you're a suicidal person and you want to, you know, you, you don't think you can do it, right? All you have to say is that you're gay or lesbian and then walk right into the Gaza Strip, right? You will die or any Arab country for that matter. Uh, you, you will be thrown off the top of a building. They, they, you can rest assured that you will die. Okay, so if you, if you really want to kill yourself, that's what you do, okay, whether you're gay or not, right? Likewise, trans, okay, all those things. And even those people, they, they just, they'd rather side with Hamas against Israel. The country that they should know is the most open to gays and to liberal communities and everything else. And it may be too much so, but it is, it just is, yeah. Tel Aviv in particular. But no, that's the country that has to go. And the reason why is because Israel stands for morality. It stands for the Ten Commandments. It is a study in psychology, my friends, this, this whole moment in time. And it's, it's a terrifying moment. It, there's a mirror that's being held uh, you know, uh, to us, and we are seeing ourselves in stark relief. And it's, it's pretty ugly. It's pretty damn ugly. All right, folks, Brockler is signing off. Say God bless, and we'll talk with you next week.